All right. So Mark 10, verses 13 to 31, says this. And they were bringing to him, or they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for, such belong, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these, law, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but with God, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to look at your word. And uh, we're constantly challenged by Jesus as he flips everything on its head for us. And, and uh, so, Lord, we just pray as we look at this text and the scripture that, that you would be exalted, that your words would be spoken, not mine, uh, that you would encourage our hearts uh, to approach you like children, like kids. Um, and God, just teach us more about yourself and about your kingdom uh, during our time in the word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, see if you can finish this for me. Jesus loves me. For the Bible. Okay, cool. No, yeah, little ones to him belong. Perfect. Perfect. Well done. Well done. Uh, so today we're talking about children in the kingdom. Jesus loves children, okay? But I want to challenge you because Jesus loves somebody else in this passage, so I'm going to let you know that up front, that we're going to see somebody that Jesus loves, and is it the children? Dun, dun, dun. Okay, but first we're dealing with a couple things, and obviously this is a long text, but I do think these go together really well, uh, and so you know, we're going to work through a lot of scripture here uh, in, in Mark 13 to 31, 10, 13 to 31. Um, but 
two very important interactions that Jesus is having. So just to remind us and put us back in our place here in terms of like where we are geographically, Jesus is likely outside of Israel, like to the, to the, uh, uh, the east there, uh, outside of Judea. Um, and so he's traveling through a Gentile, uh, Gentile area and back toward Jerusalem as he's come down from Capernaum. So he was in the north in Capernaum, came down south toward Judea and Jerusalem and is now outside Judea, coming back across toward the Jordan River and then up, uh, up to Jerusalem. And, and as we go into the next couple weeks, we'll find him in his triumphal entry in Jerusalem. Uh, so he's on this journey, kind of going toward Jerusalem, this kind of an offshoot into Gentile area and then back through. So it, last week we saw a conversation with him uh, where he was addressed about divorce. Someone came up and said, you know, can we, ha- can we divorce? We had, had a fun conversation about that last week. That was great. Um, and then, and so there's two other conversations that Mark wants to highlight to us that came from this journey. And one is about children bringing, being brought up to Jesus' feet and how that went with, uh, with everybody surrounding. Uh, and then another is about a wealthy man who came forward to Jesus and had a question for him. And so we're going to look at those two questions or those two interactions today. So first, uh, let the children, verses 13 to 16. It says in verse 13, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. Okay, so we don't know a lot. Mark likes to be really vague with things. He likes to just kind of leave details about the context aside for you to wonder and ponder and and sit with. Uh, We don't know why children were being brought. They were being brought so that Jesus might touch them. Was that for healing or was that for blessing or what, what was it? We're not really sure. We just know that here is Jesus teaching probably the time of fulfill, the kingdom of God is here, repent and believe. I'm going to be teaching something like that possibly, okay? Um, And as he's teaching... Children are being brought up to him. And the disciples are looking on this, you know, service that's being had and saying, uh, these kids are a distraction. Keep bring, you know, get these kids out of here. Do not take them here, rebuking them. Not just like, hey, kind of, you go this way. No, stop bringing the kids to the front, right? Like that's what he is kind of saying to them, rebuking them for bringing these kids up to Jesus uh, to be touched and, and to be blessed. And so that's the scene. Um, and immediately it says, when Jesus saw it, okay, Jesus is going to see a lot. I don't know if you heard throughout this passage, but he is seeing a lot and he is looking a lot of times. There's like three times where Jesus is looking around at the scene and then responding to it. It's interesting, like the use that Mark is doing of, of the word look. He looks around a lot at what is going on and he's looking primarily at our hearts. Okay, so he is seeing what is happening and instead of being you know, with the disciples and, you know, in agreement with them that, yeah, we need to get these kids out of here. You know, we need to be sharing this message clearly so no, there's no disruption, right? He is indignant, it says. He is angered in his spirit. He is just fed up with the broken, hard-heartedness of his disciples and says this. He, it says he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of of God. He doesn't say, yeah, 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 they need to get out of here so I can share this message. He says, no, bring them forward. They actually are responding in faith in a good way. They know where the kingdom is at. Where is the kingdom? It is with Jesus, okay? So a couple things are happening here. Jesus is acknowledging that the kingdom is accessed through him, 
Okay, because where are they coming? They're coming to Jesus. He says, do not hinder them from coming to me. I'm where the kingdom is at. When I say the kingdom is near, that means my presence is carrying the kingdom. Okay, that's what Jesus is saying. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but now I am because the Holy Spirit. Anyway, okay, good. Um, moving, <laughs> moving forward. Um, so he is indignant and, and, uh, and says, do not hinder them. The kingdom actually belongs to them. They are the heirs of this kingdom. Do not hinder them. He goes on to uh, explain, verse 15, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child does shall not enter it. If you don't have the heart and spirit of a child when you come before God, you are not going to enter. You cannot enter the kingdom of God without being as a child. And then Jesus, in verse 16, took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Um, in, in their time, back, you know, 2,000 years ago, uh, compared to ours, there is, you know, there is this difference of treatment of children. Children were of lesser value, held lesser value, uh, not cherished as much as they are today. There is more cherishing of children today than there was 2,000 years ago. Again, you go back to, right, yeah, we're making progress, right, kids? We're making some progress around here. That's good. <laughs> That's right, okay. So anyway, Jesus didn't see that way, so we're good with Jesus, right? He's good. Um, but there was a lesser value, okay? Um, they, they were you know, shoved aside, not really thought of. Their concerns weren't here. We've kind of flipped to another direction with that in our culture. Where we're like, we're kind of worshiping our kids and living our lives through them, which is also kind of another ditch we can get into. Um, so we, we, we see that in our culture where parents are now just saying, ah, yeah, whatever you want to do, kid, is good. No, no problem. Whatever your desires are, that's what you should go after. We're not going to hinder you at all. Okay. So there is a balance there. I will say that. Um, but the bent here was lesser value to the children. Okay. So as they're coming up, they have nothing to offer Jesus, okay? They have no money, they have no clout, they have no authority in the culture, but Jesus is saying they are the heirs of the kingdom. And if you don't receive the kingdom as a child, you can't enter the kingdom. The blessing and the inheritance of the kingdom is given to those who know that they have nothing to offer the king. These kids have nothing, right? They've got nothing to offer Jesus. They have no authority. They have no influence. They have no voice, okay? But Jesus is saying, you're the ones that can inherit this thing. Your heart is pure, and you know where it's at. It's right here with me. And so, uh, the, the blessing and the inheritance of the kingdom is given to those who know they have nothing to offer the king. Uh, the disciples are obviously quiet at this point again um, because they've been, they thought they were doing right by, by protecting Jesus from the distractions of these children coming up during his message, but they were wrong again. And so often they are wrong when they think they are right. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're still not seeing it right. Um, so now they're going to get flipped in the other direction as we look at this young ruler. Um, and we're going to shift to this story of the rich young ruler. Um, 
in, I think it's Matthew's version, he's actually called the rich young ruler there. Here he's just called wealthy. Um, but it, it says, it starts in verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, so they'd stopped teaching and now they're moving on toward Jerusalem, okay? A man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him. I just want to, like, before we walk through this whole story, just say that there's a little bit of perspective about this this guy, this young ruler, that he uh, is kind of like arrogant and boastful and, uh, and, and like, um, there's just a negative tone toward this guy. Like, at least in my reading over time with this story, I've just had a negative comprehension of him, right? Like, he just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand anything, right? And, and that he's just, you know, the Lord uses this interaction with him to teach something. But I think there's something more that we need to see in this man. And I think Jesus sees it too. Uh, it says, he ran up to Jesus and he knelt before him. Okay. He didn't just like approach Jesus and demand something. He came humbly before Jesus who he has heard about, who he's heard of his teachings, and he is asking a very valid question. How do I get eternal life? He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, seeing him and hearing him and knowing his heart, doesn't answer his question, but asks him another question in return. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So Jesus turns his question around and says, you know, goodness is only in God. So if you're, what are you recognizing? What are you seeing here? Like, what, where is your heart with this? Either you see me as God or you see yourself as good and recognize me as the teacher of good and are coming to me in that way. So where is your heart here? He doesn't have an answer, so Jesus continues on. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. So he's just like walking down the Ten Commandments here. Walking down the law, really, the holding of the law. The do not defraud is actually like not there uh, in, in the Ten Commandments. So that's like an addition to the commandments. So it's like loving your neighbor as yourself kind of thing. Do not defraud. Don't lie, I guess. Um, and he says to him, the, the, the young man says to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And so typically, like, I hear that I'm good. I've kept all the commandments. Like, I'm, I'm whatever. I've thought of that as an arrogant statement. Like, how could he think that he has kept the Ten Commandments? No one could keep the Ten Commandments. Like, that, like when we're talking about evangelism in modern day, where do you start? Well, have you ever cheated? Have you ever lied? Have you ever committed adultery? But even in your thought life, like, that's an evangelism tactic in Christianity, right? We're saying, you're broken. We're trying to tell you, you cannot fulfill the law, right? And he's saying, I've kept the law. And so... I've heard that usually as boastful, but actually there's someone else that said the same thing. His name was Paul. Um, And in Philippians 3, verse 6, he said, As to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. So before we look at this character and be like, he's a boastful, arrogant, rich guy, um, let's just acknowledge that maybe he has something genuine in his heart that he's trying to work out. 
this man thinks he's good. He, he genuinely believes he's good. He, he's kept the law. He's been successful in life. He wants to know, now what do I do to inherit eternal life? Like, I, I think I'm on the right track. I genuinely think I'm on the right track. And if anybody knows whether I'm on the right track or not, it is this guy, Jesus, who is preaching, the time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe. I think he's the one that knows whether I have eternal life or not. And so as someone who feels he is good, he goes to the teacher of good and says, do I have eternal life? And so in verse 21, Jesus looking again. And Jesus looking at him. This word looking is he's intently staring. He's like discerning the heart of this individual. He is taking a pause from the conversation, looking intently at this man and saying, and seeing what is happening in his heart, right? It's not just like he turned, like they're having a conversation, right? It's not like he was looking one way and then turned and looked at him. Like they are looking at each other, but it stops to say he looked at him. Like he really took a look at this man after he said, I've kept all these since I was a young man. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. (laughs) Where does it say in the Bible that Jesus loves us? Here. This is where the song could find some roots. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible told me so. Jesus loved the rich young man. He saw him, and he loved him, and he said to him, you lack one thing. Like you are, I acknowledge, you have kept the law. You are good. That is, that's good. You've, you've done good things. That's, that's great. You are a keeper of the law. Congratulations. Do you know the heart of it? Do you know the purpose behind it? Do you know the nature of the law? You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And, and this is the part you know, right? Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus examines this man. Jesus loves this man. And he says exactly what this man needs to hear to have a chance at eternal life. Right? This guy has some deep rootedness to his riches. When he hears he has to let go of his riches, he is disheartened and walks away sorrowful. Because there's something he needs to give up that he loves. He loves his possessions. He's proud of them. He's proud of his goodness and his possessions. And he doesn't want to let go of the thing that gives him worth. That he feels gives him worth, right? Okay, so two very different but challenging interactions. And now, again, uh, the disciples are probably in a whirlwind going, what is going on? The kids get to come in, but this guy, who from all intents and purposes seems to be a righteous living Jewish man who has kept the whole law and been successful in life, he can't get in? Right? Right? I mean, Like, you did all the right things. You went to the right church. You had the right morals. You got the right job. You raised the right kids. Like, you did the right thing. And the disciples are looking at him going, and that guy can't get in? 
And again, Jesus looking. Verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, same word, he's, this has happened, okay, he's had this interaction with the children, then he's had this interaction with the rich man, and now his disciples are going, what is, what is this thing? Like, who gets into this thing? They are confused, and Jesus sees this very plainly on their, uh, in their hearts, and he says to them, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are amazed at his words. This is what Jesus saw before he said it, right? They are amazed at what is happening with his teaching. And they don't have any words. So Jesus says to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? If this man can't be saved, then who can that's where their disposition is at when Jesus challenges them with this. If this guy, who we would chalk up as has done all the right things, if he can't be saved, then who can be saved? Jesus looks at them again. And says, with man it is impossible, but with God, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. I just challenge you, when you look at this rich young ruler, yeah, he went away sorrowful because he had something he didn't want to let go of. I mean, have you ever been there? We're quick to judge him because he's a wealthy guy with stuff he don't want to let go of, but when Jesus challenges you, with something you're holding on to, are you sad? You know? Jesus says, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And Peter, piping up, says, okay, just want to make sure we're saved. (sighs) Can I ask a question, Jesus? See, we've left everything. We left all the things. We left them all, Jesus, and we followed you. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands uh, with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. He doesn't say yes, but he says yes. Because they have. They've left everything. They've, they've left, I mean, Peter and Andrew and the fishermen have left a family business that was lucrative and, and left it behind to their father. Who knows what their father's going to do with the business? But they left that behind to follow Jesus. And Levi, the tax collector, had a job that was paying real well. Good benefits, you know, steady pay. And Jesus came by and he left his booth and went and followed Jesus. So so they have left what was their life to follow Christ. And what is Jesus saying that you get a hundredfold back, right? You are blessed back when you when you give up. Okay? I think he's saying to the church and to us as followers of Jesus, yeah, you're you're leaving one family, but you're coming to another family. And that family has more than you could ask or imagine is available. 
hundredfold of value to you. And we're not talking about financial. We're talking about financial as well as spiritual, as well as emotional, as well as support in the family of God. And especially to the church in Rome who's receiving this letter from Mark, he says it will come with persecutions. Right, we've talked about this. This is a letter that Mark wrote to the, to the city of Rome, Christians in the city of Rome who are being persecuted by Nero. When he's saying with persecutions, he's acknowledging, guys, do not lose heart that you're being persecuted. Jesus told us that that would happen. But he has provided for you perfectly. He is with you. His presence is with you. His power is with you. His provision and protection is around you. So yes, in this age, persecutions to come. That, that, do not be surprised if they come. Do not be surprised if this life has its challenges and has its sufferings. Blessed be the name of the Lord in that. I bless him back when they come. But in the age to come, eternal life. As you leave the things you cling to in this life away to follow Jesus, what your inheritance is, is eternal life. Jesus is telling them, your hope is not in today. I'm, I am going to provide for you today, but your hope is in tomorrow, eternity with me. Um, I don't have this quote here, but I was reading a commentary on this, and uh, the commentator described it this way, that like, yeah, you know, we're going through tough times, stuff we got to let go of, challenges and frustrations and all this stuff, and those feel rough. Like, if you're a farmer, thinking about being a farmer, you know, like sowing the seed and like you're, you're getting the harvest every, every year and sometimes it's not much and it's just, you're just kind of getting by. You're paying off the loan on your, on your seed or you're paying off the loan on your tractor or whatever it is. You're, you're getting by. You got enough to get by, but it's a challenge and you're sweating it and, and it is hard, okay? Um, but sometimes as you're a farmer, you get what's called a bumper crop, okay? Where the crop yields way more than you expected it to yield and just like this time of rejoicing comes because you got more than you ever expected you get from that crop. And so he's saying like, that's how, that's how it is with the Lord. Like, yeah, in this time, you're, you're sweating it, you're, you're plowing, you're, you're sowing seed, you're going through trials and droughts and, and water, like rain and all this stuff. But there is a bumper crop coming, and it is eternity. Like, our end goal is with the Lord forever. And so, yeah, for a time, you're going through these things that are challenging, but our future is secure in Christ as we've given up these things. Okay, so a lot here to unpack, and uh, a, a few things that I want you to, or want us to try and take away from this. Um, from both this story about the children coming to Jesus as well as the, this young ruler. And first, that's this. Those who genuinely feel they have nothing to offer are the heirs of the kingdom. Those who genuinely understand that I've got nothing. I've just got nothing to offer this in me. I've got nothing. Those are the ones that God is ready to be like, you're ready. Yours is the kingdom. You understand that all things come through me. All good things come through me and from me. That's why he says these kids are heirs of the kingdom. They got nothing to offer me. 
They're going to walk right in because they get it. They don't have anything to offer. And contrastingly, those who feel they have everything must give up everything to enter the kingdom of God. Again, we, we assume as we read the story of the rich young ruler uh, that, that because he went away sad, it means we cast judgment on, me, on him and he never came back to the Lord. That very well might be. Okay, You could read into that and say he never came back. His heart was wrong and he never came back, right? That's how we typically read this story. This guy never got saved. He came to the feet of Jesus. He, Jesus told him to sell everything and he couldn't because he loved his riches so much. But it says he went away sad. It didn't say he went away dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, let's give this guy a little bit of hope, right? He has heard the very words of Jesus, the challenge of Jesus. And we so flippantly say, man, he couldn't let go of his riches. Poor little guy. Never got saved. How do you know that? How do you possibly cast that kind of judgment upon a character you have no idea of? It was 2,000 years ago. You know, but that's where my heart has been with that passage so many times. And the disciples are shocked going, how is this guy not saved? And Jesus says, yeah, it's, it's harder to be saved if you're wealthy than it is to put a camel through an eye of a needle, you know, which is a gate inside the city, right? It's like a, a secret gate. You gotta, they kneel down and go under it, right? Oh, okay. That's not true, actually. Yeah, it's literally, it's literally like a needle and a camel. He's like, you can't get a camel through the eye of a needle. It's not possible. There's so many attempts at trying to reconcile this phrase, but just take it for the irony that it is, just on the face value. Jesus says, you can't put a camel through the eye of a needle. It's not possible. It's the furthest thing from possible. They never even tried to do it, okay? Like, you wouldn't. That's how hard it is. With man, it is impossible for this rich young man to be saved. With man. But Jesus tells them, as they're in shock about this rich man, that he's not saved right now. That all things are possible for God. Let's just theoretically put him in his place in time. He comes to the feet of Jesus as Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. Jesus challenges them. Hey, you should sell everything you have and follow me. And he goes away sad, as you would be if God challenged you to give up something you love to follow him. You would be in the same position. Okay, fast forward, not more, not more than a year, maybe less than a month, and what has happened to Jesus? He has come into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry, which we'll study soon, and then gone to the cross and died for the sins of the world. This same Jesus that you were humbly kneeling before and running up to to ask for eternity with him. Maybe your sadness might turn to joy. Maybe you might go, whoa, that good teacher, that person I thought was the, the, the leader of the kingdom of God, he died on a cross. And then suppose he continues to live as the church bursts its doors in Jerusalem and expands throughout the Mediterranean. Is it possible that God might move on this young man's heart someday? Because the thing is, if it's, not possible for God to change this man's heart, then it's not possible for him to change yours. So before we look at this young man and say, man, Jesus didn't love him because he just loved his money too much. You have to get to what Jesus is challenging us all with. 
the kingdom of God is not a both and kingdom. Okay? You don't get to keep your things you love and serve them and just add Jesus onto it. It's an either or kingdom. You either repent of the things that you are trusting in and believe in the Savior of the world, or you don't follow him. It's as simple as that. Jesus cannot be added to your money and get you saved. Jesus can't be added to the plan for your life and then you get saved. Jesus can't be added to your heritage and then you're saved. Jesus can't be added to the latest spiritual trend that is going on, and then you're saved. He can't be added to your religion or your success, and then you are saved. You cannot add him to anything and have eternal life. You have to subtract what you are trusting in from your life. You have to remove it, repent of it, run from it, and run to the feet of Jesus. And with you, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He can change the young, rich ruler's heart. If you come to Jesus clinging to these things that you trust in, then you can't trust him with your whole heart. And that's why the young man went away sad, because he was trusting in his things. Does it mean he was always sad? I don't know. I can't speculate whether he, he became saved or not. I, I can't. But I'm definitely not going to say there's no way he was saved. You can't inherit the kingdom unless you approach it as a child with nothing to offer Nothing to give, no influence to boast of, no success to, to pat your back with. You, if you're going to enter the kingdom and follow Jesus, you can't enter it unless you come like a child. So a challenge to us is, man, is there something in your life that you're holding on to, that God wants to go, you know, that's kind of getting in the way of me doing what I want to do with your life. You know, this is a question that you definitely ask when you come to know the Lord in the first place. You come to the Lord and you go, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. I repent of my sin and I'm going to follow you. But I would just want to shock you for a second. That's a question you just keep asking in life. Every day as you come before the Lord with your day, you go, Lord, is there something I'm holding on to that you want to take away from me right now? Because if I just do it in my power and I've added you to my life, then I'm missing what you want to do with my life. So every day is walking in this, this routine of repent and believe. I, Lord, I repent of the plan I have for this day, and I believe in what you want to do with it. Are you doing that? Is there something you're holding on to that you're like, I got to let go of this, let go of my trust in this and in myself and my flesh and just trust in the Lord for my provision and my strength. That might be hard. I think we should acknowledge that it's hard. The rich young ruler acknowledged that this is a hard calling. God calls us to let go of things that we want to hold on to. 
He explained it to the disciples this way, right? There's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and the gospel who won't receive back a hundredfold. Not only the things you're trusting, but maybe the family. There's many people in this time where this was written to where they were leaving their families literally to follow Jesus. They're forsaking their families to follow the Lord. I praise God that, that, that I don't have that. Like Christy's parents and my parents, like they love the Lord and they know that we're, you know, a thousand miles away from them for a reason and for a purpose and a calling. And I'm so grateful that they have that perspective. I can't imagine if they didn't have the perspective and were angry at us for leaving close proximity with our children to them, right? That would be even harder. But that's how much God calls us to leave behind what you might be clinging to. If God calls you to follow me, follow me wherever I take you. So let's approach this kingdom like a child with nothing to offer Jesus. Let him be our fullness, our provision, our protection. And let's give him our everything, as he called the young ruler to give everything. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for your word, so thankful for its challenge to our hearts. Um, God, it turns our presuppositions on their heads and, and just makes us look within and and ask constantly, God, am I, am I doing this for the right reason? Is my motive pure? God, we just, we give ourselves to you, God, and um, we ask that if there's any unclean way within us that you'd remove it, that would walk in your righteousness. Lord, help us to be as children as we inherit the kingdom of God. Help us to come to you with um, nothing we're boasting in, nothing we're trusting in, simply trusting in you for all things. You're so good, and we praise you with all our life in Jesus' name. Amen.